Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan, crusted chicken, or garlic, butter, shrimp, scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads, generally, for most people, are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. You're listening to Blue Jays Nation Radio with Cam Lewis and Tyler Uremchuk, a member of the Nation Network of Podcasts. Episode 156 of Blue Jays Nation Radio. Brandon Douglas sitting in for Tyler Uremchuk this week as Tyler is away, but joined as always by Cam Lewis and uh, Coomzy. The Blue Jays had the day off yesterday, so we figured we would take the day off as well. What did you do with your day off? I didn't really get up to that much. I had a friend visiting from Toronto over the weekend coming to see Edmonton, as people do. There's a there's a very big push, of course, for people to move from Ontario out west. So someone's coming to check it out and had to drive to the airport and do all that. So it was nice the Jays were off because, um, yeah, yesterday I wasn't really paying attention to much. I was kind of hoping we'd get some interesting news yesterday, maybe like an update, like an Alec Manoa update or something like that. But nothing really going on. What about yourself? Yeah, I, I took the opportunity to watch um, a few other games in the afternoon with the, the Jays being off, uh, including the very wet Baltimore and Cincinnati game that we'll uh, get to a little bit later in the show. But uh, one more thing to ask you about before we get into the the baseball talk and pick apart this pivotal two of three game win against the uh, 20 win Oakland Athletics. So, uh, But Tyler, of course, away, he is down in Nashville covering the NHL draft. Um, an award ceremony with uh, some of our other shows within the nation network here. So I, I thought about this when Tyler said he would be away. There's been a lot of talk about, of course, Oakland going to be moving to Las Vegas. The the discussion about, you know, is Tampa and the Rays, is that their long-term home there with the lack of attendance? How awesome would it be for a relocation to take place to Nashville, Tennessee? And that would be an amazing trip uh, to go watch the Blue Jays play three games down in Nashville. Yeah, that'd be interesting. They have a triple A team. I think it is the Nashville sounds or something like that. I'm not sure who they're the triple A affiliate for, but I know there's a team there and yeah, man, Nashville's a cool city. I've never been, but Oilers nation's done. They did a trip there, not last season, but the season before that. And all the staff that went on that said it was a blast. The, the, the predators fans that are at the stadium are great. That's the same thing you can say about Vegas. When you go to a golden Knights game as an opposing fan, the fans are great. Um, the atmosphere down, town people talked about it being sweet um i I think nashville be a really cool spot but that being said 
My heart, what I really want to see, though, is a team in Western Canada. I'd love to see a team in Vancouver. That's It, it doesn't get talked about very much. It's it, it's, it's justifiable that the, the, the expansion talks, Vegas, Nashville, you know, North Carolina, maybe a place like that. Big cities in the U.S., it makes sense. But And then they talk about Montreal, too, of course, because you used to have the Expos. And then there's those, you know, those groups that are trying to build new stadiums, new developments in Montreal. So there's plenty of talk about that. But I've always thought Vancouver would make tons of sense because... There's a lot of fans out west, a lot of baseball fans in Alberta and BC. And I mean, it would make it a lot easier for us to just jump on a flight to Vancouver than it is to jump on a flight to Toronto a few times a year. Oh, God, yeah. I don't think it would end up being much cheaper because we all know the uh, the nope. extreme cost of flying anywhere in Canada. But but I digress. Yeah, down in the, the south, the, um, the fan, baseball fans are so many. And I think a lot of those certain states that don't have teams kind of just default to being, you know, Braves fans or, or maybe even Florida or Tampa fans just because they're the closest regionally. Uh, but we, it was the college world series this past weekend. And I mean, LSU and Florida going at it. I don't think there's any shortage of, of baseball fans down in the South. So I think a team in Nashville could do quite well, but, uh, we're not here to talk about possible expansion and relocation. We're here to talk about the Blue Jays. And, uh, like I said, taking two of three against the athletics. This uh, this series started off a little bit dicey in game number one, but uh, thankfully the Jays turned it around pretty quickly uh, with some great pitching across the board, both from starters. Uh, the bullpen came up big. You know, Romano's uh, little blip there in game one will we'll kind of almost disregard that, but we will chat about it a bit. I think the easiest place to start as we roll into our three ups here, Cam, is that Vladimir Guerrero Jr. looks like he might be starting to come alive a little bit. Yeah, there was a really good I was reading um, Andrew Stoughton's um, newsletter that he does about the Jays and he talked about the Oakland series and he had a great line where he said, sometimes a batter needs to go down to AAA and kind of find their groove by feasting on some shitty quad a pitcher some young guy who's working on a different pitch whatever and just blast a 500 foot home run obviously vladdy's not going to triple a buffalo it's it's simply not happening no matter how cold he gets it's just not going to happen um but but as stoughton said in his 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 letter was um the oakland days the 2023 oakland days with that roster are as close to a minor league team as you'll ever see in major league baseball and vladdy had a huge series he 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 came into it with a seven 67 on base per, uh, on base plus slugging and that exploded up to 807 after the series because he went six for 12 with two dingers against the against the A's and those two dingers were his first ever at the newly renovated Rogers Stadium or the Rogers Center which is which is fantastic I mean it it, it had become kind of a joke there for a while it was like is Vladi never going to hit a home run here did they change the walls so that he can't hit home runs so when he's negotiating his contract he doesn't have as much leverage his stats aren't as good next time through ARB I don't know like I mean obviously all jokes but you know, like, like, like I said, it's you, you don't have a chance to face minor league pitching when you're a player like that. So when you go and face a team like the A's, a team that's bad, team with bad pitchers, then maybe that'll help him get into his groove. It's been pretty much a full month long cold streak since the middle of May. His batting average was just two. Uh, 228 and his OPS was just 602 and then to see him have a huge series like that finally get the monkey off of his back like you know that had to be weighing on him of course like just just knowing that he hadn't hit a home run at the Rogers Center yet this season and all the other random guys who have done it like that's obviously weighing on him and 
you'd hope to see now that the pressure is lifted, Vladdy go on a nice big hot streak. Because we've said it before, and we'll say it many times, this team's offense can go from meh to very good if Vladdy goes nuclear. Yeah, and I think you could see the relief not only in his um, emotions. He's an emotional player at all times, both with the good and the bad. And you could see that that relief when he did get that first one out in what ended up being a loss on on the first game or in the first game, pardon me. But you could also see some of the elation, I think, in, in his teammates as well. And then when you look at Sunday's game, where which was the only game he did not have a home run, but the offense kind of finally really exploded and and you talk about this athletics team being you know as close to a minor league as we'll see in the major leagues you really have to take advantage of that not only for the sake of you know not losing to bad teams but really like when you got their your foot on their throat stomping it and and we saw that on Sunday um with the 12 runs being scored and it was kind of just like good vibes all around and and I mean you know we're doing this this show early on a, a Tuesday morning here but if we had been doing it Sunday afternoon I think it would have been pretty safe to say there would have been some beers on uh, on that episode as well to celebrate because there was a lot of things to celebrate in that game and uh Vladdy's great series just kind of really being the 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 peak of the iceberg with all of that could you imagine though? It's, it's, we, we've talked about this a few times too. It's, you know, you take two out of three from a series. It's a fine result. I think we all would have liked to sweep Oakland, but whatever. It's not always easy to sweep a team. Even the shittiest team in baseball can come up with a win. No one's losing 162 games, but it's funny to think if, if, if the Saturday and Sunday games were played on Friday and Saturday and then on Sunday, they were had the chance to sweep and they played the Friday game and they had the blown lead, like how mad we would be. But then after those two other games on Saturday and Sunday, it's kind of like, ah, Friday, whatever. That feels like months ago. That didn't happen. Who cares? Yeah, it's a little easier to brush it off when you bounce back as opposed to, like you said, ending on a losing note like we have seen the Jays do so many times um, already this season. Uh, leading right into our second up, which was on that uh, the Saturday game, Jose Barrios, another quality start. You know, he was coming off a bit of a tough one in Miami, which we haven't seen a lot of from Barrios this year. It's another thing that we've kind of um, said at nauseum on here that, you know, Last year was the blip on the radar. This is a very good starting pitcher, a great guy to have in the middle, uh, even to back end of your rotation. And he just he came right back at it again um, against this bad athletics offense and and went out and, and di- went about his business and had a great afternoon. Yeah, I said last time in the uh, post Miami podcast when we were talking about Barrios's start that it would take a few of those bad outings in a row, like probably more than two, like three or four in a row, bad outings. His start against Miami goes four innings, allows five earned runs on eight hits, allows a home run. It would take a few outings like that for me to sour on Jose Barrios based on the season that he's had. He He's done well enough this year that it's it's true that last year was the anomaly. It was the blip. He is, he is back to being that, you know, workhorse number two or elite number three in the middle of a starting rotation that logs innings and just gives you quality starts. Like, look at this stretch that he had here. So there was that bad start in Boston. Everybody was bad in that series because it was so cold outside. But after that, against the Pirates, six and one third, two earned runs. Against Atlanta, five and two thirds, two runs. Yankees, six and two thirds, three runs. Tampa, seven innings, one run. Minnesota, five and two thirds, zero runs. The Mets, six innings, uh, one earned run. Houston, six innings, two earned runs. Baltimore, seven and two thirds, zero earned runs like that's a fantastic stretch before you get to that Miami game and then you know the Miami game happens it's a it's a strange team for it to happen against the Marlins aren't a great hitting team but whatever Barrios bounces back against Oakland six innings six hits uh two walks eight strikeouts only two earned runs 
yeah, like like I said, we we I think most of us were willing to give him the benefit of the doubt after a bad start. No one's really sitting there being like, uh oh, 2022 Barrios is back. Like he's going to be a pumpkin for the rest of the year. No, I he's clearly figured out what went wrong last year and has it sorted out. And the Jays have their workhorse number two back, which is fantastic. And you had this stat here on the uh, the show outline as well. 12 of 16 starts in this calendar year. He's had an ERA of, or sorry, ER earned runs of three or fewer, which, man, it, it seems like this G's team, if we go back to their last window of contention in the mid-2010s there, and, and the starting pitching was a huge strength of that team too. And I think at the start of this season, if you had said that the starting pitcher would be the biggest strength of this team at the midway point of the season, I personally would have laughed that off because, you know, there were so many question marks still around Barrios and Kikuchi who we're going to get to in a minute. Um, and then with the newcomer, Chris Bassett, kind of a little bit of a, a question mark there. Would he be able to duplicate the success he had in New York? I mean, the starting pitcher was as much up in the air as anything. And here we are at virtually the midway point of the season. And it has far and away been, been the strength of this team and has really buoyed them with what has been a pretty anemic offense at times. Yeah, and that comes, I mean, that comes with, with Alec Manoa completely falling off a cliff too, right? Like, I mean, your, your opening day starter, the guy who's expected to be your ace, he's, he's really the number two behind Gosman, always kind of was, but it was valid for them to give him the opening day start, completely, completely valid. Um, with, with, with Manoa kind of falling off there and, you know, he's down in Dunedin, he's not on the roster right now, and they're rolling with a four-man rotation. They so badly needed some of those veteran arms to step up. And we'll touch on Kikuchi in a second, because I'm going to make the same point when we talk about him as well. But Barrios, like this bounce back was so needed. Like it's not even, we're not even sitting here being like, oh, it's cool that Jose Barrios is back. It's very needed. Like the Jays paid a lot to get him. They signed him to a big contract, like with, with one of your other good Expected to be good. Expected to pitch you 200 innings, win you like 15 games, whatever. I know pitcher wins aren't really a thing we're talking about, but you know what I mean. Um, it, when you have a guy like that just disappear, you need one of your veterans to come through. And Jose Barrios, he's done it. And it's it's been necessary because if it weren't for this rebound, if he was having anything close to the season he did last year, then I don't think we're talking about a Jays team that's anywhere near being in the mix. No, zero chance. And uh, heading into our third up from this series, um, uh, the second of this homestand for Toronto, UC Kikuchi, we, we talked last show about, you know, that start against Miami. He's like, you said it. This might have been his best start as a Blue Jay. He must have really taken that to heart because he comes out here on Sunday and has what I think is without a doubt his best start as a Blue Jay, even topping what he did against Miami, um, going seven strong. And when he exited the game, I mean, the crowd really let him know that they could appreciate what he put out there. And um, it, it was never really in doubt. He gave up two hits, two walks, one earned run, but eight strikeouts for for Kikuchi. Uh, just a terrific outing for him in, in what was a must-win game for this Blue Jays team against a terrible Oakland team. Yeah, it really was. It was a must-win game, and uh, we we talked in a few podcasts ago. It was it was after the Baltimore series, I think it was. We were really bad vibes after that series they had in Baltimore. It was tough, and Kikuchi had a start that wasn't terrible, and that's that's kind of what his stretch was from like the beginning of May into mid June. It was four innings here, four and two thirds there, five innings there, and a lot of them weren't 
awful starts. It wasn't like last year where he'd, you know, allow five runs in the second inning and it was just a catastrophe. It was, you know, like five innings or four and two thirds innings, two or three earned runs. So like mediocre starts that were just taxing the bullpen. And the point that we had was, you know, Manoa's gone. So there's only a, uh, there's only four guys in the, in the rotation. You're doing the bullpen day for the fifth, for the fifth starter. And the bullpen day is obviously taxing on your bullpen because you're just straight up using relievers there. So you need your veterans to go, deep into games. And that's there. They were getting at that time from Gosman and Barrios and Chris Bassett. And we were like, man, if only Kikuchi could come through and give them some length. Like when you consider last year, everything's fine. It's not that bad. They can win his starts. They're not automatic losses. It's okay. But if he could just go deep, it'd be such a game changer. And then you have the Miami start six innings, only two hits, no walks, zero earned runs. And then this Oakland start even better, seven innings, two hits, two walks, eight strikeouts, only the one earned run that came on a solo home run run it's nice to see the crowd give him a huge applause like that because last year it was rough man like i remember there was fans that were booing when he was getting lit up it was bad scenes that's the first year of a pretty big contract you signed but you know i think the thing about kikuchi that everybody appreciated last year was that he was so despite being a high well-paid veteran he was so willing to put the team first like he he had that clause in his contract where he could reject a demotion to triple a buffalo but he said he would do it to open up a spot on the roster to figure himself out or whatever they didn't do that he went to the pen it seemed like going back to the bullpen kind of helped them find his confidence because then he came into spring training this year and he was just guns a blazing like fire and strikes looking fantastic and it's been a really good season i mean i would i would love to see for kikuchi's sake and i i really doubt this will happen but it'd be really nice and this, the same thing could go for Jose Barrios, too, for both of them, really. Um, if you string a couple more good starts together here, if you could become an injury replacement for a different pitcher on the All-Star team, it'd be really nice to see either of those two guys get the nod, given what they grinded through last year. Yeah, between between the grind last season and then like really stepping up into this void that, like you said, was caused by the Manoa um, just catastrophe and then subsequent demotion, um, we, we can talk at length about, you know, the importance of Gosman at the front of the rotation and, and Bassett has for the most part been great. But just like you said, without these two um, and Kikuchi's kind of bit of a roller coaster season and Barrios is just stalwart um, outings so far to date with a few exceptions like th- this Jays team is not even sniffing the playoffs, which as of right now, they are in they are in the third wild card spot as we record here Tuesday morning, which, you know, when you have four of the five teams from one division <laughs> um, all, all sitting in playoff spots. That's pretty crazy to think about. And it's even wilder for the Blue Jays when you look at their record against those four other teams, which has been just terrible, relatively speaking. So um, a couple bonus ups before we uh, touch on a few of the negative things to draw from this, because yes, they did lose a game to the, at the time, 19 win Oakland Athletics. Um, but a couple bonus ones, the, this bullpen continues to just really deliver quality innings for, for the Jays when they need it. Um, and the nice thing is they didn't really, for the most part, with the exception of um, Bassett's tough outing in, in game number one, but whether it be Pearson, Swanson, Trevor Richards kind of dueling as that um, gap starter in the, in the rotation, the fifth guy in the rotation right now, um, Romano, for the most part, has been just great leading the league in saves. Um, even Tim Meza, who I don't think gets a lot of fanfare because he doesn't pitch a ton of innings, but when he does come in, it is always effective and he's been like statistically one of the best relievers in the majors so far this year so wanted to give a quick shout out to the bullpen because as a Jays fan that is something that we have 
rarely seen is a bullpen that can really stand up and, and deliver this many quality outs for a team. And then uh, George Springer moving into second all time for leadoff home runs after uh, Jackin went off on Sunday in that finale. Um, George Springer and Matt Chapman, I think almost kind of fall into the same category for the Jays this season as like they've had stretches where it looks like they are borderline MVP candidates, but then they'll get into these kind of colder stretches too. Um, and realistically, this team just needs them to be good. They, they have the top end, the, the top end bats and the likes of Bichette and hopefully Guerrero when he can get his full act, um, going. The, these guys are technically support offensive pieces. And then when you get with the defense on the other side of it is just gravy on top. So figured I would give them, uh, both Springer and the bullpen a quick little shout out, uh, before we roll into our, um, our few negatives to draw away from. Yeah, that's right. The with the the thing actually, you know what? Who I wanted to shout out, and this is super random, but they um, a picture that we've all been so critical of in the past, and whenever he even comes up from AAA, it's kind of just an eye roll, and it's weird because at one point, um, I'm talking about Trent Thornton here. At one point, he 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 led the Jays in innings pitched and looked like he could be like a solid number five at the back of your rotation, but he's he's come up this year and in two appearances, three innings, he looked really good. Um, all of a sudden it looks like, Hey, maybe there's another arm here from Buffalo who can pitch a few innings. And then Bowden Francis as well. Same thing. He looked solid in his inning. He keeps bouncing up and down from triple a that's got to be kind of a frustrating spot to be in, but I mean, good on you for getting the job done. Like the, the, we, we've, we've complained quite a bit about the Jays, the, the, the Cleveland front office doing not as good of a job as we expected based on you know what they did in Cleveland, though, it might not be fair to assume that it was just going to be the exact same thing there when they come here. But whatever, we all expected the Jays to be a pitching factory by now. They really haven't been. But hey, here's some uh, AAA arms who are coming through and contributing. Maybe there's more to come as time goes along. It's uh, it's positive. It's good vibes only today. Well, you say that, but we've uh, spent <laughs> spent the first uh, 20 minutes of the show basically just uh, stroking off the, the pitching staff as a collective. But uh, leading into our three downs, I think it kind of starts and ends really with that um, that game one of the series on Friday with Chris Bassett only going five innings. Uh, you know, when you look at it as a whole, it wasn't really that it wasn't a horrific start by any stretch. The Jays were still in that game, but he gave up four and runs in those five innings. Um, and it kind of a lot of it goes back to you've talked about his struggles with Danny Jansen catching him. Um, and uh, you've got some numbers here. I'll let you go over them. And, and a quote that Bassett said moving forward about he's not going to be calling his own pitches anymore. But the the Bassett thing, much like you said about Barrios um, last over, it's like you need to see several bad starts in a row to start to worry a little bit. We are kind of bordering on that territory with Bassett now. Um but uh, but yeah, the decision to to not call his own pitches anymore hopefully can maybe start to right that ship. Yeah, it's interesting. Bassett was was one of those guys who was really stepping up for the Jays when they when they needed someone to give them length. Remember against the Mets, his old team, he goes seven and two thirds, and then he rips back for the birth of his child. And then <laughs> first start back after that against the Astros, he does eight innings, and that was so badly needed because it was right after Manoa. But since then, though, it's you know against Baltimore, three innings, eight earned runs against the Rangers, three and two thirds. That was the game where the defense really let him down. I, I he was mid like mediocre in that start but not terrible same thing against Oakland five innings four earned runs it's kind of 
but uh, I mean, you know, three three bad starts together. I think you know, with with that in mind, it's obviously time for a change. And after that game, uh, Bassett says, "I'm obviously struggling a little bit right now, and less is more. I'm not sure if I'm tipping the way I'm sequencing pitches. I'm not sure really what's going on right now. It's just a matter of less is more. I think it went really well. I think at times I'm thinking too much on the mound rather than competing. It's a funky dynamic. So what he's saying here, and what this is in regards to, is that he's not going to call his own pitches. People might remember when he was here in spring training. That was kind of a thing everybody was talking about. Uh, it was his first start against the Cardinals in St. Louis. He was having all those issues with the pitch calm. He was trying to pick what he was going to throw and relay that to the catcher. And there's the pitch clock and he was walking guys and it was a disaster. So he's going to let the catcher kind of dictate what's going on now. But speaking of the catcher, like you alluded to, him pitching to Danny Jansen has just been a mess. The opponents have a 1.164 OPS off of Chris Bassett when Jansen is pitching. And that's not like a microscopic sample size. That's over like a handful of starts. It's not just one start. It's, it's a few. But the reality is where we're at right now. Leandro Kirk's on the injured list. So you can't have your personal catcher when he's injured. It kind of just is what it is. So they're going to have to find some kind of solution. And hopefully this, you know, having the catcher actually call the game rather than the pitcher calling the game. Hopefully that's the game changer we need because given the way Barrios and Kikuchi are going, Gosman's always great. If you could get Bassett going too, and you have all four of them going at the same time for once, that would be just spectacular. It'd be perfect for the team to go on a nice big run. And it'd be great timing right now because the schedule is not that hard. Yeah, and the the catcher thing is really perplexing to me because I'm a guy who grew growing up playing baseball, I was a back catcher. And you know, most catchers, I think, take a lot of pride in calling the game, right? That is your job back there. You know, basically you're quarterbacking the defense by what pitches you're you're getting the guy to throw. And then it's on them to deliver them in the right spot, obviously. But I Without looking at any actual advanced analytics on this or anything, I have always been under the impression that Danny Jansen, you know, maybe he's not the best pitch framer, but he calls a great game and he picks a lot of great pitches for his staff. Um, so I wonder if now give, putting that power back into his hands will allow him to dictate things a little bit more and kind of help steer this I don't want to call it rocky relationship because I don't think it's on a personal level, but this battery dynamic that him and Bassett have, if maybe it can start to steer those numbers back in a better direction with Jansen deciding what pitches are going to be thrown to hitters. Um, Cause once again, like that's the part of the catcher's job. If not, maybe his biggest job back there is keep the ball in front of you and, and decide what pitches are going to be delivered. So um Kirk is available to be activated off the the injured list later this week, I believe. I think he was just on the 10-day IL going back to last Monday. So we should be able to hopefully see him over the weekend um, in the Canada Day series against Boston. But yeah, like you said, after enough um, misses and and bad starts pieced together here, a change has to be made, and and that's what they're going to try moving forward. So um, if we kind of piece together the Jansen catching thing with Bassett start as our two downs from this series, uh, we can loop it back to, once again, that Friday loss and for our third down being that the Jays had a chance to win this game. You know, Romano giving up the solo home run in the top of the ninth. Um, And then Vladdy basically teed up the rest of his weekend after the home run earlier in the game, then hit a leadoff double in the bottom of nine and then get stranded there, which, you know, has has long been a qualm of us talking about this team is that leaving runners in scoring position, their batting average with two outs. Um, and they had 
no outs when this when this opportunity yeah. presented itself. So it's frustrating. Um, and, we, and we've said it a bunch already in the show that when you play these bad teams, you have to make it count. And and thankfully, they didn't let that bother them, letting that game slip away from them and bounce back with two nice wins. Um, but realistically, even in that loss, it was nice to see, once again, looping back to how we started the show, Vladdy kind of getting the bat out there and delivering how we expect him to in big moments. Yeah, it's a shame that they didn't come through and pull off a comeback, even just to tie the game in the ninth inning there after Vladdy's double, because it would have, it was already such a big series. But, you know, he hits his first home run in that game. If he could also have, you know, been the run touching the plate to tie the game in the ninth inning, that just would have been storybook stuff. But unfortunately, Friday was not the Blue Jays' day, but at least they, 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 they bounced back. Like you said, at least they didn't let it get to them. It wasn't like, Oh man, we lost the series opener at home to Oakland. It's bad vibes for the entire series. And they wind up losing two of three. And we're sitting here talking about Ross Atkins being fired and John Schneider being fired and who they're going to trade at the deadline, whether they're going to sell everybody. And thankfully we're not doing that. And uh, a team that, you know, if you rewind probably six weeks or so, um, you might have thought would be in a seller situation come deadline time. That's next on the schedule for the Blue Jays in the San Francisco Giants, um, who since the start of May have been the best team in the MLB. Not the Braves, not the Rays. The Giants have been rattling it off here. And the, it, what speaks to the even more absurdity of that stat is that they're still only third in their division. And much like the Jays in the final wild card spot, despite being the best team for the past two months, that just shows how bad their April was. They put themselves in such a big hole to start with. But we will tee that full series coming up here uh, before we head into Canada Day weekend. But first, let's step aside for a quick break. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. All righty, before we jump into our series preview against the Giants here, uh, let's take a quick spin around the AL East with the AL East report. And uh, much like the Jays, the rest of the division started their weekend series on a sour note. And it was kind of looking like, you know what? Yeah, Toronto lost that first game. But if they can rattle us off here, make up some ground, uh, because all except the Red Sox lost their first game of their weekend series. And some of them surprising because the Rays were playing the Kansas City Royals. They ended up splitting 
the four game set with KC only taking two of the four. Uh, it included Wander Franco, you know, one of their best players getting benched for the first two games for, to put it simply, being a bad teammate is how it was described. Uh, he ended up coming back and um, I think even hitting a home run in game three or four, uh, if not both in the back half of that series. And then just to add insult to injury, Shane uh, McClanahan, ace and, you know, one of, if not the best pitchers in the major leagues, he ended up leaving that first game with, I think it was some back tightness. They've got some good news about that since. So not too much to be concerned about if you are keeping tabs on the the powerhouse raise, they still remain pretty comfortably atop the division. Although that lead continues to shrink kind of slowly, but surely the, the Orioles chipping away at it. I think it's down to four games right now. We'll pull up our, our full standings here in a second. Uh, but next up for Tampa is three games out in the desert versus the, Division leading Arizona Diamondbacks that will start tonight as uh, much like the the Jays almost the rest almost the entirety of the rest of the division was uh, off on Monday as well so the Rays will get going tonight out in Arizona for a three game set the Yankees were playing the AL West leading Texas Rangers and the Yankees despite losing game one um, did win the next two to take two of three that first loss did come in extra innings so kind of close all around and a, and a pretty positive weekend for the Yankees despite the fact that there is still no timeline for Aaron Judge's return in this perplexing toe injury that nobody can seem to really get a firm grip on what exactly it is or, or why it is holding him out for so long um, I don't know if it was ever actually defined as what it was but I wonder if turf toe which is an injury we see a lot in the NFL um, come out and apparently like I've never had it I can I can't speak to it but apparently a way more severe injury than you would kind of be led to believe just by the name of it you, it seems like it's almost like a, a fingernail issue like when you hear pitchers say they're missing starts because of a fingernail you kind of laugh it off turf to almost kind of falls in the same category yeah, it's like it's like the batter's version of a blister. Like everybody was laughing when oh, Aaron Sanchez dealing with these blisters. But I mean, there's there's no room for error in baseball. Like even the slightest disadvantage makes you can make you go from good to being not effective. And I mean, with Aaron Judge, he's a big guy, and it's 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 the the balancing part of his right foot. So you can't really you know, put your weight down in the batter's box and swing the way that he does and put the power behind the ball like he does. If you've got a messed up toe and you can't put pressure on it, like, I don't know, like um, the, the Yankees are being weirdly quiet and weirdly coy about this whole thing. It kind of reminds me of a few years ago when the, the Jays had some different injuries. Remember George Springer was hurt right off the hop and, and it kept, they kept carrying on like it was day to day, but it wasn't. And he'd be running down the line, looked like he was in pain. And it was kind of just like, why aren't you just saying what's up? Why don't you just let everyone know that he's going to be out for a little while and it seemed like with Aaron Judge like he gets injured and it's it's they're carrying on like it's going to be fine but there's this looming cloud where it's like is this guy going to miss like the rest of the season like is he going to be out until like what's going on here and you look at Yankees fans on the internet like Twitter or Reddit or whatever and they're like they're all expecting the worst. They're like, he's not going to be back this season. Like, why are they lying? What the fuck? What are they hiding? What's happening? Like, what is this? Cashman, fire him now. Like, make him talk. What is this? But, you know, they've they've somehow gotten the job done without him. I don't know how they're doing it with, you know, Billy McKinney batting fourth or whatever it is they're doing. But <laughs> maybe eventually they'll slow down without Aaron Judge. Who knows? And, uh, yeah, that, that injury uncertainty, not the only kind of dark cloud. Uh, looming over them. Uh, Josh Donaldson, former Jays great and, you know, MVP. He, um, has been benched for several games in a row. 
the, the third base position for the Yankees has been kind of a nightmare for them. Both Donaldson and DJ LeMayhew not playing well virtually all season. Donaldson, um, before this series started, did, did not speak to the media. He kind of had a one-on-one meeting with manager Boone and then kind of discussing his future on the team. From the sounds of it, they're not like looking to cut ties with him yet. And Boone remains weirdly optimistic to fight, despite the fact that um, upper management is basically saying, yeah, this guy's not going to be on the field. So kind of confusing there. And, and I'd be curious to see what they do, because um, if you look at this Yankees team and how they would expect to have success, especially with the absence of Aaron Judge, you would certainly think that both Donaldson and LeMahieu would want to be or need to be a part of it, which might just speak to the fact of how they have been kind of just middling along since the judge injury first occurred. But um, the Yankees have a chance to get themselves back on some solid footing after the big series win against Texas. They will now head to Oakland for three games. That series also starting here on Tuesday night. The, uh, the Red Sox, the only AL East team that started their weekend series with a win, but unlike everyone else, they are the only team that did not end up winning the series, losing two of three to the Chicago White Sox. Uh, after the Red Sox won six straight, we were kind of talking about them closing the gap here on the Jays and putting some heat on them. They have since lost four of their last five, um, which the Red Sox are in a really tough spot, uh, especially as we approach the deadline in the middle of the season here, because are they fifth in the division? Yes. They are, however, only three games back of the Jays for that final wild card spot. And, you know, I feel like it's been several episodes since we've had a fun um, dump on the AL Central talk. The Boston Red Sox, fifth in the AL East by three games, would be tied for first in the AL Central here on Tuesday morning. So it's, um, you know what, I, I don't think we'll spend too much time on uh, an AL Central uh, critic uh, critique fest. But the, the Red Sox, yeah, they're in a tough spot. They will now play the Marlins at home for three before they come up here to Toronto for the, the Canada Day weekend series. Uh, and then lastly, the Orioles, they got their series uh, or this week series underway last night versus the Reds, like I kind of said earlier in the show. But they did take two of three off the Mariners over the weekend, despite game one coming in an absolute stomping. Like they got ran out of the building. Um, but then last night, in midst of several different rain delays down in Baltimore from Camden Yards, uh, the big story from game one versus the Reds, which the Orioles did end up winning, I think 10 to three was the final. Um, top prospect Jordan Westberg making his MLB debut. It kind of had been anticipated all season and he, uh, he had a pretty decent debut. He got a hit. Uh, I think he scored a run, uh, went one for four, maybe on the night. So nothing uh, too crazy, but I mean, Hey, as soon as you can get on base and come across home plate in your first MLB game, I think that gives a lot of positive vibes for you moving forward. And it's kind of scary because this is just another, another young weapon that has had a ton of success at AAA this season really has nothing left to prove down there. Just another weapon to add to this young and upstart Orioles roster moving forward. Uh, scary to see as the Orioles have now closed the gap on those Tampa Bay Rays two four games. Um, the, the rest of the division, like I said, four of five in the playoffs, fifth place Boston, only three games back continues to show this division is uh, nothing to um, underestimate and everything to write home about. You talked uh, about the American League Central, and I'm happy to dive into the American League Central. I always am. Coomsey's are- favorite, favorite topic, rip yeah. on the AL Central. It's my favorite topic. I can have a nice nice, nice meltdown about the AL Central on a Tuesday morning, which is what I love doing. Uh, the Minnesota Twins are 40-40 and 40 leading their division, and they're in ninth 
in the American League. Tampa, Baltimore, Texas, the Yankees, Toronto, Houston, the Angels, and Boston are all ahead of them. The Central has five of the <laughs> worst six or seven teams in the American League, which is is mind-numbing to me. Major League Baseball needs to expand to two more markets, so there's 32 teams, and there has to be four different divisions of eight. I think that would be the move. Get rid of the Central divisions, <laughs> abolish them, and split the teams up into different Easts and Wests, <laughs> and to just don't have these like, like man, you look at the American League Central specifically. Put put all the Centrals together, and you have of the ten teams, you have what like three of them are big budget teams. Almost all of them are cheap. Like it, mm-hmm. it's so unfair. It's it's so it's it's not just a coincidence that like all uh, a bunch of the Central teams are mediocre. It really isn't. Like these are the teams that don't spend in the off season. It's you know, they, they, they've really got to do something to make it so that they're not going to like, like this year, you're going to have the twins are going to finish like 79 and 84 or 83 and make the playoffs in Boston or a Toronto or a Seattle or a Houston or the angels. Someone like that is going to miss out with like 88 wins. And it, it sucks. Uh, just to dive into the, um, or before we dive into the San Francisco series, you just mentioned the angels. What was the final score of that game on Sunday? 25 to 1, 23 to 1? 24, 25. The Angels, yeah, they were uh, 25 to 1 over Colorado. That game, um, Brandon Drury in that game went three for five with four RBIs. Blue Jays legend, Brandon Drury. <laughs> Blue Jays legend. He's Brandon got a better Drury. OPS. Oh, wait, sorry, that's not accurate. During Before this game, he had a better OPS than Mike Trout did. <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, and that, yeah, that a lot of that damage even coming without the help of Otani or Trout, like the Angels just went bananas on what is granted a very bad Rockies team. But uh, nonetheless, we can uh, shift our focus back into the uh, the downtown Toronto area as the homestand continues with the San Francisco Giants in town starting here later on Tuesday afternoon. The first start looks like it will be Kevin Gosman versus a bullpen day. Ryan Walker expected to um, start things off for the Giants. Uh, and then on Wednesday, Chris Bass looking to bounce back versus the um, Giants ace slash workhorse. See, Logan Webb's had himself a really good season. Uh, 316 ERA, well over 100 innings pitched so far. And then Thursday, we'll see Jose Brios take back to the bump versus another Jays legend, Ross Stripling. Uh, you mentioned here just activated from the injured list, although. You know, not a great season for Mr. Stripling so far as first uh, out in the um, on the West Coast as he makes his first return back to the six uh, this week here. Yeah, this is an interesting series. Like you said, San Francisco has been really good. Like they came into June 28 and 28 and they look kind of, you know, you're in a difficult division. The Diamondbacks are having a breakout season. The Dodgers have won the National League West like nine of 10 years or something like that. Like they're, they're pretty much an automatic to make the playoffs. But since mid June, they've kind of gone on a huge run here. They swept the St. Louis Cardinals and they swept the Dodgers in Dodgers Stadium. I think that's the first time the Giants had done that in years. And then they took, uh, uh, three of four against the Padres. Two of those wins were walk-offs. And then two of three against the Diamondbacks. Like, those are good teams. I mean, St. Louis isn't a good team. But beating the Dodgers, beating the Padres, beating the Diamondbacks, like, they're in the American League east of the National League. The NL West is that. Um, they just have Colorado as their shitty team they get to beat up on. We don't necessarily have that. But, you know, the Padres, the the Diamondbacks, the Dodgers, the Giants, that's, that's a competitive division. And San Francisco, they're coming through. They, they, they don't have any star power. They don't have superstars in their team. They don't have big names except for Arson Judge, of course. San Francisco Giants legend Arson Judge. <laughs> 
mysteriously disappeared. No one knows where he went. Um, yeah, they don't have any star players, but they have good pitching. They get on base. They're a very money ball ish team that way, but I don't know. The Jays, they're at home. They have Gosman going. Barrios is going. This should be a two out of three series for the Jays. I, 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 I would say they have the upper and, hand here. And you, you mentioned the, the Giants pitching. I think they might take the cake for the strangest pitching staff in the major leagues. Uh, like Toronto, they only run four starters, but their fifth spot in the rotation, they kind of almost rotated around. Um, it was described in an article I read as four starters and then four or five, they call like amphibian pitchers where they, uh, they're not this, they're not starters, but they're not relievers either. Uh, and so it was in the same article I read, it was described as like, is this baseball's first eight man rotation? And the mm-hmm. Giants are just kind of going about it really quietly and it's been effective for them. So, uh, this is something that the Toronto can look at if, if maybe, uh, whether it be Ryu or Manoa still aren't going to be available here in the, um, the start of the back half of the season. If it looks like something maybe they try to implement into their system as well with just the four reliable starters, if you can't end up getting one at the deadline. Uh, and I think San Francisco will still be looking for a, a starting pitcher here as they try to, um, solidify themselves in that wild card race. And, and what you said, like you said, is the, um, equally tough. Uh, NL West division, but otherwise, you know, this is a team that Toronto historically does not get to play very often. And, and until we saw the the realignment of the schedule here, however many couple of years ago now, I guess, where, you know, you play every team every year and stuff, the Giants were a rarity. And um, I, we were just chatting about this before we started recording. But for me, what this, even though the, the series is played in Toronto and not in the National League Stadium, like it just brings back memories of of yesteryear when the NL was the NL and not just the separate conference of the American League, you know, with the universal DH right now. And we were both saying we kind of miss the fact of, you know, seeing pitchers get up to bat. And and for the Giants specifically, I think that brings back really fond memories, of course, of Madison Bumgarner, you know, pitchers who rake. He could absolutely get the job done in the playoffs. Um and, you know, he's not Shohei Otani. I'm not going to say that by any stretch. But the, the comparison I draw here is if you look at the NFL and what they're currently doing with um, kickoffs and kickoff returns, they're kind of phasing it out of the game. It's just basically going to eventually get to the point where you just started the ball, the 20 or 25 yard line. There's no point in kicking it off just for them to uh, take a touchback every time. I think with football doing that, they're going to look back on it the same way we currently look back on pitchers getting the chance to hit because most of the time, almost all the time, nothing happened. It's an out. If you're lucky, maybe a walk, never take the bat off the shoulder, but it's those really rare moments that make it worth it. Like when Devin Hester returns a kick back for a touchdown um, in a all important game, or you see a guy like Madison Bumgarner in the playoffs, Jack a Homer, or even better, Bartolo Colon yanking one out of the stadium. Like it's those tiny moments for me that make me miss um, the NL and kind of like question the the universal DH that we see now. Yeah, I, I'm of the same mind. Like I, I I didn't sit there and get upset when they brought in the universal DH or complain about it because it, it makes sense. Like you can understand why the Players Association would advocate for that. Nine out of ten pitchers don't want a bat. You don't want your pitcher breaking his hand or coming up with a hamstring or a calf injury running the bases. Like you know the and then creating the DH space too. You know it allows for an older guy to who's maybe can't play the field anymore to extend his career a bit longer because there's 15 more. Teams 
teams you can play for. Like it makes sense, but I love National League Baseball, especially as a Jays fan, like an American League fan, like turning on the TV at 8 p.m. We're talking mountain time here. We're both out west, of course. Um, turning on the TV at 8 or 9 p.m. after the Jays are finished and watching one of those West Coast teams, whether it was the Dodgers or the Giants, maybe the Diamondbacks or the Rockies, and and just seeing like seeing a Madison Bumgarner come up and hit a home run was so cool. Seeing seeing a pitcher come through and and do that was awesome. I always liked the National League. Uh, speaking of the Giants, I've got the jersey right here. My favorite pitcher growing up as a kid, Tim Lincecum. I uh, just wanted to shout that out. Um, yeah, the World Series jersey. He was a blast to watch. The Giants are a cool team. I always like it when the Jays play the National League West teams. They're kind of, they're all interesting in their own different ways. Um, I, I have a memory, actually. I think it was against the Giants in San Francisco. R.A. Dickey was batting and came up with like a very clutch double down the line. And it was funny. He might have actually legged it into a triple. I'm just, <laughs> I can't really remember. I feel like this might have been like 2014 or something like that, but it's not really, the, the memory is not spectacular, but I, 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 I'm certain that it happened. It might have been 2016, maybe. Honestly, who knows? But I, I do miss National League Baseball. It was funny being the fan of an American League team watching them face the national league and you wind up watching like ryan tapera or aaron loop taking that bat it was it was always just funny and and i i do miss it exactly and uh and yeah like you said the nl west tons of history out in that division obviously of course the dodgers and the giants and their their runs of success um especially over more recent memory as well so and then the d-backs kind of emerging this year now as a, a top tier team should make for a great series and certainly one the uh the jays can't overlook despite the anticipation of you know the big canada day game um and the series starting on friday versus the red sox huge divisional matchup but uh, yeah gotta start here with like you said hopefully taking Two of three at minimum uh, versus this Giants team where it certainly looks like you have the pitching advantage uh, if you can maybe try and just squeak one out against Webb there and Bassett bounces back. But uh, nonetheless, uh, you know, it looks like it's going to be hot here in the Edmonton region for the next couple of days. So stay cool, Cam. Enjoy the baseball. Best wishes. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan, crusted chicken, or garlic, butter, shrimp, scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. 